I'm Holly. And I am Danielle. And you are listening to The Spooky Hour. Ding, ding, ding. And it's still spooky because it's me doing it. Yeah. There you go. Hi, friends. Hey, people. I was going to say internet, but I guess it's not really internet. But here we are. It kind of is. Kind oh, of. we're not on the internet right now. I don't know. It's been a week. I don't know if you guys can tell already. <laughs> My vacation countdown is on right now because I only have five more work Woo! days left. Five, five more work days. Actually, I don't know how many I have because I have like random days off for appointments. Uh, oh, no. I have. Yeah, I have five seven fuck me you have a week <laughs> i have seven work days i'm sorry but then i'm that. off for like a million years oh that's good. long enough that i might be okay going into 2021 which is wild that we're already there my like, mental state is still stuck in march i haven't processed anything this year yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing has processed i i can't I struggle with the fact that it's December, as we saw last week when I forgot to do a Christmas tale. <laughs> yeah. Like, I usually am so amped for my birthday, and I love my birthday. And this year, I'm like, no one, like, talked to me. I even took my birthday off Facebook, so no one wishes me happy birthday. Aww. I'm just over it. I'm so over I this should year. should not do a post about your birthday? I mean, you can, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'm going to anyways. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, are you, you're going to say that, but you're going to do it anyways. But, I mean, like, I'm just over it. I'm just over this year. Me over too. It. And that's kind of how I felt about my birthday. And I told Danielle, it's like, I like to ignore my birthday in general because I don't, I don't I'm old. <laughs> the closer you get to 30, the less fun they become. But it's like, it's nice. For me, it's like a day that I know I'm going to see my friends. Yeah. That's it. Because we're adults now. We're busy. Like, yeah. also, it's COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and we had fun on your birthday. We went Camp 30. Yeah, that was a good day. We did the pumpkin fun. stuff. It was good. Yeah, we had a good night. So, that's how I like to look at it. A birthday is just one day a year that I know no matter what, I'm going to see my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what fucking shit's going on. So that's how I look at it. So I'm going to see Danielle whether she wants to or not. I'm going to drop her present off on her porch. <laughs> I'm just going to lock myself inside my house and not answer my door. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll answer Do you think door. that's going to stop me? <laughs> I mean, true. You're like, bitch, I have an extra key. <laughs> I, I actually don't yet. I said I was going to get one cut, but uh, Stuart wouldn't let me. <laughs> there's your christmas gift oh my god please he's gonna be so it would be so funny (laughs) honey i'm home (laughs) and with that yeah it's it's christmas time yeah tis the season that hurt me to say (laughs) i think holly's treating us to a christmas tale today i am and i remember this time yeah i fucked up last week okay i admit it (laughs) and we all called her out on it it's fine but was it not a good case it was a good case it was a good case (laughs) But yeah, we're we're gonna be on theme the rest of the month. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> I don't love Christmas, but I love a theme. So I'm 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 pretty disappointed in myself that I fucked up on a theme. <laughs> and this is a good excuse for me to make a Christmas theme. And so, haha. oh my gosh, I'm also gonna drop your gift off in an ugly sweater because we always do ugly sweater parties for Danielle's birthday. Oh my god, yes, I'll wear so, my Christmas onesie because I think I wore that perfect. last time. Perfect. Yeah. I love this. Okay. With that, let's get festively spooky. Let's get festively spooky, you guys. Yay. Um, so this one, it starts off as like a really creepy, saddy Christmas tale and merges into some haunted mansion and it's going to be great. Um, so we're going to talk about the mistletoe bride. Oh. Yeah. Intrigued. Very. Um, so in the 17th century, a lovely young bride named Anne was getting married on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, depending on what story you want to listen to. But (laughs) 
I'm like here for that. Like that's total goals. I'd get married on Christmas Day. I wanted to do that, like just get married in the courthouse with like Stu, but like they're not open on Christmas Day because they're fucking lame. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I thought they would have been. No, they're not. What, can you like hire like a justice of the peace that day or something? Probably, but I don't think we could do it at the courthouse because courthouse is really cheap. You guys, it's like three hundred bucks. Yeah, that's and, what I want to do. Yeah, because I'm not spending any money on a wedding. Um. So apparently it is tradition for guests of the wedding party, like back in the day, to carry the bride to her bedchamber after like the ceremony and reception to like her husband, which is fucking gross. Like that's just, am I only one <laughs> like, who thinks that's present weird? her to him? Yeah. Like, <laughs> take the dick. Like. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is the take the dick parade. <laughs> like, I don't fucking get it. I know it. what I'm requesting on my wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> this exactly. Um, I don't know. It's just really weird. I found that weird. Um, but Anne <laughs> wanted to play a game of hide and seek before this tradition, and her groom and guests agreed. So Anne had fi- like a five minute head start to go hide, um, and then these people started looking for her. So you know, like back in the day when kids get married at like nine years old, I feel like this is one of those instances. And she was like, "I am she's not like being carried." Thirteen or something. Yeah, and she's like, "I'd yeah. rather play hide and seek instead of this dick parade." Which is so. wild. Can you imagine getting married at thirteen? No. Hell God, no. I barely like made it to school when I was 13. I didn't go to school at 13. Fair. <laughs> like, fuck that. I like the only commitment I had was naps. Like, I'm not, <laughs> like that's the longest standing relationship. It's naps. You and naps. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone went looking for Anne, but couldn't find her. And they never ended up finding her. So they searched all night and like all day, nothing. Um, so they started to think, like the groom included, that she had fled um her groom apparently looked for her like endlessly for years um yeah and one night while in the attic he was like tapping on paneling when he accidentally opened a secret door um inside the secret like door room he found a wooden chest he opened it to find his beloved anne inside oh Um, i knew that's where it's going yeah still in her wedding dress she was found 50 years after her wedding day 50 years yeah so it's safe to say she was not alive you guys she was not alive. Uh, yeah (laughs) she did not survive she she did not survive (laughs) so she was found with her mistletoe bouquet um oh that's really cute i like that yeah hence the mistletoe bride yeah um there were scratch marks on the inside of this chest to show her like desperation to get out yeah so now no one knows if she was put there or did she like that was her spot to play hide and seek and accidentally locked herself in um so it's like a chest in a wall yeah i don't i don't i think someone put her there that's like the legend of it there's a chest in this wall and she was found there um some historians believe this happened at the bramshill house um so we'll go into that house so the bramshill house is located in northeast hampshire england it was built in the 17th century so same era of this christmas wedding and it's more like a mansion. I don't know why they call it a fucking house, but it's a mansion. <laughs> um, it's like one of those like really big like places that you would think that like the queen would visit or like, like live a, at. Like an estate or yeah, something? Yeah, it's, it's massive, you guys. Um, so now this place is supposed to be one of the most haunted places in England, but I feel like England is so old, like old timey that like everything is just haunted there no matter what. Yeah, everything yeah. there. 
so just a little bit of history on the house nothing too crazy so it was originally built in the 14th century but when it was per- but it was then purchased in the 17th century by edward lazoo um he torn down the original home and built what is now like the bramshill house as today um it went through many owners and i'm sure it's seen some crazy shit since it's been around since the 17th century um there was a lot of games such as like cricket being played at this home like these were like first class matches so some pretty serious people were there um (laughs) some hardcore cricket players yeah some hardcore cricket players um but they have like the fucking property to do it so why the fuck not yeah um in 1935 the property had its last private owner and in 1953 the british government took over the property and used it as a dedicated police training facility and then in 1960 it became the location of the national police college so in the 1980s apparently this property became just too expensive to maintain as like the whole place needed a lot of repairs i mean it's from the 17th century so obviously um it was put on the market by the chair of the house of affairs and um oh sorry the chair of the house affairs select committee and sold to a property developer for 25 million um in 2018 the mansion was then again put on the market but only for 10 million because the property developer reduced it by 90 acres only 10 million. only if i win the lottery only. you guys i'm buying this place because absolutely it's insane so as i said it's supposed to be pretty damn haunted like literally top three um lindsey kerr she was a curator at the college um when it was like the police school and she said it had 13 regular apparitions appear in the mansion so a uk police officer who i assume was at this police academy said there was 14 spirits in this mansion i mean either way it's over 10 so it's 10 too many spirits 10 too many like wait yeah many. one one is fun Mm-hmm. like one keeps you on your toes but any more than that is like no it's terrifying because you like you feel like you never have any privacy yeah because you never and know who's way staring too many at people you. not paying rent that too in your own home that too <laughs> especially if it's worth like 25 million dollars like come on oh absolutely cough up your fucking like gold coins there bud yeah um, pay some utilities yeah um there is a reported green man that is seen obviously dressed in green because duh they're original with their names and he is seen with no legs and hovers by the lake um so this lake is located on the grounds um apparently locals say dogs just refuse to go anywhere near the lake like they just know okay dogs always i always know um apparently this man died in the lake um he was wearing all green at the time with those like high black boots so that's why he looks like he has no legs apparently yeah that makes sense um so there's also a gray lady again original um (laughs) Can you, I hope people we have green and gray. Yeah, I hope people understand my sarcasm because we can come up with such better names than this. Like this could be yeah. Becky. Like this could be Becky. Yeah. Becky with the ghost hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also so the gray lady. So she is seen in the terrace, the library, and the chapel. And if you want to yell at me for saying library wrong, go ahead because you're joining Stuart because he yells at me all the time about it. I know it's library. I just don't say it that way. Yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> yell at me yeah. i feel like we should just put in our intro at this point hi you're listening to the spooky hour and we don't say things correctly yeah that's it but yeah because you guys it doesn't matter at this point not not one bit nothing matters i know it's spelt <laughs> library but i say library because i'm an idiot and just go with it <laughs> listen she knows who she is and she does what she wants and she's up front about yeah. it so i respect that so her husband is said to haunt the stables and chapel drawing room so it's a cute little couple haunting together. I love that. Aww, um, there, goals. Right? There is a young girl who's seen in the library or library. <laughs> it gets funnier every time. <laughs> um, people have reported hearing her cry and she tries to hold people's hands as well. 
That's creepy. It's very creepy. Um, so women are, sorry, a woman dressed like Queen Anne has been seen in the chapel drawing room as well as like a full gowned like knight. Like he's ready for battle just sitting there. <laughs> like imagine walking in and seeing like that. Like those old going, school ones yeah. with like the visors yeah. and stuff. So into imagine it. Imagine seeing it and thinking it's like, like just like a, uh, a statue. A st- yeah, exactly. A statue. Yeah. You go to like, it's like the Scooby-Doo movie. Like the I night. was just going to say it's like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, when they hide and they hide in the night costumes. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's always the hiding place. Um, and also, this really reminds me of Bly Manor. If people have watched Bly Manor, you know how good it is. It's another thing I have not watched. You need to watch it. Because in certain... I haven't had... I don't want to... This sounds douchey, but I honestly just haven't had time to watch anything. Because <laughs> I've... Between, like, this and then, like, all my Christmas orders and then work. It's, I haven't... I don't remember the last show I watched. You're like, I don't remember the last time I thought of anything. Like, I thought, I can't think, I can't blink, I can't do anything, yeah. I can't breathe. But yeah, so with Bly Manor, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but in a lot of the scenes, there's always, like, a spirit, like, an apparition in one of, like, the scenes at the back, and, like, it pans away and comes back and it's gone. And it's kind of like an Easter egg. Like, they want you to see it, but sometimes people don't see it. But that's what this, yeah. remi- this place reminds me of. It would be like that. You'd be standing there talking to somebody, and there'll always be someone there watching you, and you don't know it's, it's there. It's creepy. Yeah. I find it creepier when they, like, don't do anything because it's, it's almost like – it's, like, sad almost. Like, they're just hanging around, like, mm, yeah. moping. Yep. But, like, at least when they fuck with you, like, at least they're having fun, you know? Yeah, exactly. I would because, like, I'm going to make my afterlife hella fun and not boring. Um, sorry for whoever I haunt. Um, so there's also a young boy who fell to his death from the roof of the mansion in the 18th century, and he's been seen, like, walking the terrace as well. One, who the fuck lets a child on the roof? <laughs> like, how... That actually happened in Toronto recently. Very, very terrible. But, like, a 12-year-old boy died because he was playing on a roof and he fell through a sunlight. Oh, my God. Who? Like, do, please teach your children not to play on roofs. Yeah. And also, I don't know how this kid got on this mansion roof, so... Yeah, it's a mansion, too. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, so, now, there is a lady in white who also haunts the halls of this house, mansion, home thing. Um, and people say it's the mistletoe bride, Anne. Apparently, Michael, I don't know how to pronounce it properly. It's Michael, it's either Michael the first, it's like Michael one. So he was the last king of Romania. Um, he was staying at this mansion in like, I think it was around the 1950s, but he was asked to be, he like, he asked to move to a different room because he wanted to stop being disturbed by the young woman in white who kept passing through his bedroom at night. His children also saw her, um, and she would just like stand by their beds creepy very fucking creepy um so people have reported hearing singing in the halls when no one's supposed to be there um a lady named jane george she was a college performance manager she said and i quote there was many times um i left a door open and went back to find not just the door closed but locked visitors yeah very creepy um so visitors had heard children crying children playing and one witness even said they saw a chair being moved across the floor um so lindsey kerr the woman who i mentioned earlier she said and i quote after i started in 2006 i was on my own on the first floor when there was suddenly a very strong smell of flowers but there was none near me it was if i had walked into a florist um it wasn't scary but i knew it wasn't right um now an incident like this also was reported in 1986 by a police officer that was visiting from india so he was there for training and he walked into the chapel and instantly smelled like a flowery fragrance um and he couldn't figure out where it was coming from that makes me kind of sad in a weird way yeah people think it might be the lady in white 
so yeah. the mistletoe or bride. Or I thought of so wait did what uh, did the wedding occur at this place? Yeah, or that's just where. She, yeah, that's so where my <laughs> thought was like the floral arrangements and yeah. stuff in the chapel, like yeah. for the wedding. So that, that yeah. made me sad a little bit. Yeah, the pe- historians believe that the story of the mistletoe bride really did happen at the the Bruchel house yeah yeah um so now it's said that most spirits at this place are pretty tame and don't do much harm however there is a gardener who is apparently very menacing he apparently was drowned in the lake <laughs> I pictured the janitor for the simpson oh my god head of all the people <laughs> <laughs> you just said grumpy grumpy grounds keeper or whatever you said and that's just where my head went so oh that's what god. he looks like to me so he's scottish everybody now. picture that yeah um so he was apparently drowned in the lake um so to me that sounds like he was murdered like i don't know if he was like because the way they worded it he said he was like drowned he was drowned so it's not like he drowned it's not like he was swimming and then drowned like someone did it yeah um i couldn't find anything further than that unfortunately um but he is apparently the only restless spirit in this place um i couldn't find too much about what makes him so sinister but he is supposed to like throw stuff at people scare people um he's not the nicest but like no one really gets harmed at this place Mm -hmm. um and all other spirits are pretty tame so it's literally like a blind manner um they might accidentally scare you but you never know (laughs) but yeah that's the mistletoe bride slash brimshill house brimshill shell house whatever yay christmas yeah that's that's kind of sad that one made me a little bit sad just because it's like any any time a bride dies on her wedding day i just can't help but think of like how disappointed she is you know that's like at the banff hotel that one bride yeah yeah because like there's there's a lot of planning that goes into like weddings like that and it's like you imagine going through all that and then dying the day of imagine spending all that money just to die yeah no thanks no that's why i'm not getting married another i'd rather die and then get divorced though (laughs) (laughs) true (laughs) very freaking true that's why i'm not spending all that money for my man to leave me Mm -mm. Mm -mm. one of us is dying that night (laughs) (laughs) and it ain't me (laughs) yay christmas that hurt i just said that it did hurt as soon as i said it i was like ugh. I like that. Well, I don't like it, but it was interesting. Yeah. It made me sad, but it was a good one. It's kind of crazy. I also really like the idea of a mistletoe bouquet. I think that's adorable. Right? A Christmassy or like poinsettias or something. That's I love that. Oh my God. Yes. Fun fact. I bought a poinsettia and brought it in my house and it died within 24 hours because that's how, how? well I do at life. I don't know. Danielle. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. It just died. Even I have kept a poinsettia. No. Nope. <laughs> like, I can't keep anything alive other than myself. That's funny. Um, so I guess we'll move on to... Uh, Christmas murder. It's it's unfortunately... Well, actually, it's it's not a confirmed murder. If Ooh. It's, a, it's a mysterious case. Um, but I... Uh, so I was telling Danielle before we started recording, it's very hard to find, like, something lighthearted. Like, Danielle's uh, last week was very lighthearted and fun. Yeah. And then I'm just like, people died. Um, so yeah, so today's uh, not a happy story. But it does take place at Christmas, so <laughs> it's like half happy. And then, and then next uh, next week, I'll do my best to do like a, a happy one. Okay. I hope you guys enjoy it. I have something planned. I um, I know about it too, and I'm really here for it. Yeah. So today, uh, I'm going to tell you guys about the mysterious disappearance of the Sodder children. Oh my god, that's the one I was going to send you. Oh really? Yeah, that's so funny. I like read your your brainwaves. You read my uh, brainwaves. It's, it's it's a fairly popular case. Uh, it's probably one of the only like christmasy murder cases so i feel like 
you've probably heard it maybe not i don't know let me know if you haven't heard it that'd be nice <laughs> this one actually blows my mind and all the corruptness that yeah goes it's it. it's it's a lot of shit uh i thought it was gonna be like you know a fairly simple one but there's there's more to it than i thought mm-hmm. um so the Sauter family it was a family of fucking 12 if you believe it Jesus. uh george and jenny Sauter were parents to 10 children sylvia betty jenny Lu- i don't know if it's louis or louise um i'm gonna i'm or lewis i'm, I'm gonna say louis i like it it sounds cute uh louis martha maurice marion john and george jr their ages ranged from 2 to 23 years old, so obviously someone had a very happy marriage. Um, <laughs> George Sauter was actually born Giorgio Sadu uh, in Tula, Sardinia, Italy in 19, or sorry, in 1895 and immigrated to the United States in 1908 when he was only 13 years old. He came to America with his older brother, but his older brother could predict the future and said, fuck this mess I need out. I don't remember writing that. That's so, so funny. He, so he went back to Italy within like a couple months and left George alone to navigate the foreign country. Uh, alone uh, he, at 13? Yeah. Fun fact, my papa did that when he moved here from New Brunswick. Oh my gosh. And bought a house and everything. I'm such a failure to the Murray name. <laughs> <laughs> my grandparents, I don't know how, they were pretty young and they didn't have kids until a while after immigrating to Canada. So, but. <laughs> so fun fact about my grandparents, um, they only got married because he knocked my Nana up when she was like 17. <laughs> oh, and you can't have bastard children, right? Yep. Okay. So in their wedding picture, she's holding her bouquet like in front of her stomach. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Yeah. And uh, then yeah that's i think it's hilarious you guys there's nothing um, wrong with bastard children i'm a bastard there, child there is nothing wrong no we were saying earlier marriage is really just a piece of paper yeah it's it's nothing really and you don't need a piece of paper to be a family yeah and i keep calling myself but apparently a back then you did yeah <laughs> i always call myself a bastard child my mom was like that's not nice to say and i'm like well you had me and you didn't get married so therefore ma i am um so yeah um at 13 he found work on the railroads in pennsylvania and after a few years he moved to smithers west virginia uh he found work as a truck driver and eventually founded his own trucking company uh he would like haul dirt for construction sites he did very well for himself and was actually like a really good immigration success story like he came to america and owned it did exactly what he said he was gonna do yeah um on one fateful day he walked into a store called music box and met the owner's daughter named jenny cipriani perhaps um who had come over from italy when she was three uh they married and those and had those 10 children between 1923 and 1943 and later settled in fayetteville fayetteville west virginia listen nine of us are are talking very goodly today let's just say that um At that time, this place had a booming Italian community, so the family uh, settled in really well. They had great neighbors. It was like a cute little... I love little... that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I would love to live there also and be invited to all of the dinners. Yes. Um, Please and thank you. <laughs> their neighbors thought very highly of them. Uh, they were a very friendly family and got along with everyone in their neighborhood. They did note, however, that George was very reluctant to speak about his childhood and would not disclose the reason that he left italy he did let them know that there was a reason it's just that he wouldn't tell them what it was um so some people found this suspicious after the events of christmas eve in 1945 don't i'm not gonna tell you what that is yet (laughs) it's stand you Uh, every time i say that to you and carl (laughs) he's just like guys i want to play a game i left italy but you won't know why don't be suspicious don't be suspicious don't be suspicious 
I have that stuck in my head permanently 24-7. I can't stand you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So leading up to this horrible day... Uh, the Sodders experienced a series of strange events. They thought nothing of it, but after the tragedy, which I'm still not going to tell you, but it's coming soon, um, every little detail became more suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. (laughs) (sighs) There was a stranger who came to their door a few months earlier asking about hauling work. Uh, The man and George strolled the property, and when they got to the back of the house, the man pointed at two separate fuse boxes and said, Quote, this is going to cause a fire someday. George found this strange since he had just had the wiring checked by the local power company and it was declared safe. So he doesn't know why that man randomly decided to give him this useless piece of advice. He was just like, hmm. um, Yeah. Um, around the same time, another man came to the house and tried to sell the family life insurance. Uh, he lost his shit when George declined. George recalled the man yelling, quote, your goddamn house is going to go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. You're going to be paid for the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. Um, so Mussolini was an Italian dictator. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be upfront. History's not my forte, but it sounds like he was not a great guy. He judging was not. by this. Um, okay. Thanks. Good. Um, <laughs> I, I knew I was right. You're on the um, right track. So jo- George was outspoken about his dislike for the Italian dictator and was known to have heated debates with other members of uh, Fayetteville's Italian community. The older Sauter sons also recalled something strange. Uh, Just before Christmas, they noticed a man parked along the side of the road watching the younger Sauter kids as they came home from school. So he like... That's not creepy. Yeah. Creepy pervert. Um just after midnight on Christmas morning, the Sauter children had finally gone to bed after opening some presents on Christmas Eve. Uh, the phone rang unexpectedly, which woke Jenny and George up. When Jenny answered, a female voice asked for someone who did not live there. Um, and Jenny was like, yo, they don't live there. You got the wrong number. Uh, Jenny remembered hearing what sounded like a party going on in the background. She told the caller they had the wrong number, then went back to bed. On her way to the master bedroom, she noticed all of the downstairs lights had been turned back on and that the curtains were open. She also noted that the front door was left unlocked. She saw her daughter Marion asleep on the couch in the living room and assumed that the other kids like came down with her after midnight to be like, hee hee Santa, and then like went back to bed. Um, she hee <laughs> hee Santa. I was like, that's literally me every Christmas Eve. Hee hee Santa. <laughs> Puts out cookies. Hee hee Just the whole night. Hee hee Santa. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't say ho-ho so anymore. She- he says hee-hee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so she turned out all the lights, closed the curtains, locked the door, and returned to her bedroom. Um, she had just fallen asleep when she heard one sharp, loud bang on the roof and then what sounded like a rolling noise. He-he, Obviously, Santa. it was Santa. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, obviously, it was Santa. I knew you were going to say it was Santa, so I beat you to it. Um, So, yeah, obviously, it was Santa, so she went back to sleep. But an hour later, she was awoken once again, this time by heavy smoke billowing into the bedroom. It was around 1 a.m., and the house was on fire. George, Jenny, and four of their children managed to escape. Two-year-old Sylvia had a crib in her parents' room, so they grabbed her and ran. Uh, 17-year-old Marion, 23-year-old John, and 16-year-old George Jr. all shared a room and managed to escape together without injury. Apparently, their hair was, like, super burnt, though, according to this article. Okay. Um, 
When they realized they were missing family members, George leapt into action. He broke a window with his fist, which resulted in a large cut down his arm, and tried to re-enter the home through the broken window. The house was so engulfed with smoke and flames that he couldn't see anything once inside, so he ran out and tried to go through an upstairs window, but his ladder that he always kept propped against the side of the house was mysteriously missing. Yep. His next idea was to drive one of his coal trucks up to the house and, like, climb the truck to get up to the window. Um, I'm assuming it's, like, a big dump truck type thing. Yeah. Um, they had been working perfectly the day before, but neither of his trucks would start for him that night, morning, early morning. Um, panic started to set in, and uh, daughter Marion ran to a neighbor's home to call the, the Fayetteville Fire Department, but couldn't get any operator response. Um, a neighbor who saw the fire made a call from a nearby tavern, but again, no operator responded. Like, the worst fire department ever. I was going to say that um, everyone's just like, nah, haha, Santa, bye. Like, I get it's Christmas, but like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you chose this job. You work 365 days a year, asshole. Yeah, exactly. So, finally, the neighbor drove into town and tracked down the fire chief, uh, Chief F.J. Morris, who initiated Fayetteville's version of a fire alarm. One firefighter called another firefighter who called another firefighter, and then they all drove to the fire together. Like three million years later. Like a little too late. Yeah. So the department was only two and a half miles away, but the crew didn't arrive until 8 a.m. The fire started around 1 a.m. Eight hours Um, it took them to get there. Eight. Yeah. Uh, by which point the Sodders home had burned all the way down to the ground. Um, I know this was only 1945, but what a fucking mess. Like, yeah. I feel like that is such a mess. And they have six um, kids and it's, it plays It plays into it later because there's there's some suspicions. Don't be that suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me, man. Every <laughs> time. saying that word. Um, so important to know. Well, not not important but um so the the house kind of like caved in on itself mm-hmm. so the basement was still stand not standing but it, like you could still like see the basement and like enter it okay because it was under the ground but everything else was just wiped out okay um so everyone on the scene came to the terrible conclusion that the five missing solder children had died in the fire however a search of the property on christmas day turned up no trace of human remains i thought there were six no. missing or no they had one kid that wasn't at the home he was like yes. away. Right? oh i forgot to mention that yes i'm glad you know that yeah. yes they did have one other child who was not there i think he was uh like in the army or something along those lines okay um yes thank you danielle you're welcome um <laughs> Uh, There was no bones, no flesh, no burnt clothing, no sign that anyone had died in the fire. Fire Chief Morris suggested that perhaps the blaze had been hot enough to completely cremate the bodies. Um, A fact that was later disputed. uh, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Um, Inspection of the the burnt home took place and uh, state police inspector found that the cause of fire was faulty wiring. Um, after the inspection wrapped up, George covered the basement with five feet of dirt, hoping to preserve the site as like a memorial for his children. Um, the coroner's office issued five death certificates just before New Year's, attributing the causes of death to, quote, fire or suffocation because they weren't quite sure. Um, it seemed as though the case was closed, but like we keep saying, this is the spooky hour, so we are not done. Nope. Um, Jenny took the loss very hard, obviously, and couldn't wrap her head around how five children could vanish in a fire and leave nothing behind. Uh, so she began conducting her own experiments. She would burn, like, chicken bones and beef joints and stuff to see if the fire would burn them to nothing yeah um each time she was left with a heap of charred bones so there were always remains no yeah. matter how long she burned etc cetera, etc cetera. smart girl. Uh, this 
yeah I, th- I thought it was very smart of her um some people might see it as her like having a mental break of some sort but i thought she was being smart even if she's having <laughs> a mental break she's being fucking smart about it <laughs> we can multitask we're women yeah um, so this letter to speak to a local crematorium as one does uh so she rang them up and the employee there had informed her that bones remain after bodies are burned for two hours at 2000 degrees the solder home burned down in only 45 minutes and the chances of it reaching 2000 degrees from what i understand are not great yeah so this disputes what the fire chief said about them being cremated in the home they uh the 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 guy who runs the whole fucking cremation place said it probably wasn't possible um so jenny also noted that uh remains of various household appliances had been found in the burned out basement and they were still able to tell each one was so like i don't know a vacuum for example it's like still looked like a vacuum so you're gonna tell me that people can burn down to nothing but there can be a vacuum still there yeah yeah exactly Uh, So they started going through their memories around that awful Christmas day, reaching for anything that may have been odd. The couple remembered that um, right after the fire, a telephone repairman told them that their phone lines have been cut and not burned. Um, So that means that someone had cut it prior to To the the fire starting. So they couldn't call 911 or something or whatever number they called back then. The Sodders also realized that if the fire had been electrical, as the police claimed it was in the report, then the power would have been dead and Jenny would not have had to turn off all of the lights downstairs on Christmas Eve. Um, One day while the family was visiting the memorial site, the young toddler Sylvia found a hard rubber object in the yard. Jenny flashed back to Christmas morning when she heard the bang and the rolling on the roof and thought perhaps this rubber object was what landed on the roof. So when she brought that idea to George, George informed her that what their child found was a napalm pineapple bomb, which was used in warfare at the time. So if that is what Jenny heard someone fucking dropped a a pineapple bomb on their house um that hasn't been confirmed but just odd that it was found at the scene of the fire um shortly after this a witness came forward claiming he saw a man at the scene uh taking a block and tackle used for removing car engines so the theory is that this is why george's truck wouldn't start the morning of the fire but like did no one look under the hood after because it's like, like <laughs> it's not confirmed whether the engines were actually missing. It's just kind of like a hunch. But like no one, no one lifted the hood. Yeah, they're like oh, after <laughs> it didn't start this time, but maybe we'll start now. Yeah, like, I don't know. Um, unless he just like didn't went care. through trauma and got rid of the trucks. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, that fact is unconfirmed. But allegedly, someone uh, had a car engine remover. Do you want to hear? I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you want to hear something terrifying? Yeah, our Xbox just turned on. Nope. Could he do that from upstairs? No. No. It turns Bye. on all the time now for some reason. I guarantee I got the noise in my recording because it makes the noise. It goes ding. That's terrifying. Sorry to interrupt. It's on right now. No, that's that's terrifying. <laughs> I Whatever. My first thing is always what is Stuart doing? And then if he can't do it, then I get scared. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go home, but I'm home. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not like your parents' house is any less haunted. I mean, true. <laughs> I'm safer to sleep um, in my car in a field. <laughs> there you go. Um, so the biggest twist in this case, uh, a woman claimed to have seen the missing children in the back of a car driving through town the night of the fire. To back this story up, another woman who ran a tourist rest stop between fire 
Fayetteville. I, I feel like I've said it 10 different ways in this episode. Uh, their town and Charleston said she saw the children the morning after the fire. She claimed she served them breakfast that day and noted seeing a vehicle parked outside with a Florida license plate. Um, more sightings kept popping up. A woman at a Charleston's Charleston hotel saw the children's photo in the newspaper and said she had seen four of the five a week after the fire. She claimed they were with two women and two men who all looked Italian. Um, the group had booked a room at the hotel the same night that the witness had checked in, though she couldn't remember the exact date. Um, she also claimed that she attempted to say hello to the children to be friendly, but one of the men like shooed her away and began yelling in Italian at the other adults in the group. Oh, shit. So that's pretty fishy. Yeah. Um, George and Jenny had always felt as though their children were still alive, and these sightings gave them immense hope. In 1947, they sent a letter to the FBI hoping to get some assistance in investigating the disappearance. They received a reply from J. Edgar Hoover that said that the matter was technically a local issue and does not fall within their jurisdiction. Um, He did say that if local authorities granted them permission to intervene, then they would. But unfortunately for George and Jenny, the Fayetteville police declined. Of course they Um, did. Yeah. Because of sketchy another... police work. Mm-hmm. Oh, we ain't even there yet, girlfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> in another desperate attempt, the Sodders turned to a private ev- investigator named C.C. Tinsley. Uh, the investigator had discovered that the insurance salesman... Salesman. Oh, my God. Had discovered that the insurance salesman who had threatened George was a member of the coroner's jury that deemed the fire accidental. So he was on this panel to be like... Yeah, nothing happened here. Yeah. It's all right. It's fine. Nothing sketchy. After threatening to set their house on fire, essentially. Uh, So the investigator heard from a local minister about the fire chief, Chief Morris. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was determined that there were no remains found on the scene of the fire. But the minister alleged that Morris confided in him that he had found a human heart in the ashes. He claimed to have hid it in a box and buried it in the crumbled basement of the home because I don't know. He's just fucking sick. So the whole body burnt, but not the heart. Okay. Allegedly, yes. Um, When the investigator heard this, he paid a visit to the fire chief. Uh, He made him show him the spot where the box was buried, and Tinsley then brought it to a local funeral director to confirm the origins of the organ. Why did I write it like that? That was hard to say. (laughs) (laughs) In yet another twist, the organ turned out to be a fresh beef liver. Um, I say fresh because it's important to note that the liver had not been touched by the fire, meaning this asshole took a beef liver from his house to bury on the property so the parents could suffer once again. Um, Morris eventually confessed to the Sodders that he had placed the box there um, a while after the fire in an attempt to, quote, give them closure on the loss of their children. So he's a fucking psycho. What an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. Um, How about just sending flowers next time, maybe, perhaps? Um, Over the next few years, the tips and leads continue to roll in. George saw a newspaper photo of school children in New York City and was convinced that one of them was his daughter, Betty. He drove to Manhattan in search of the child, but her parents refused to speak to him. And honestly, I can't say I blame them because that's a bit of a stretch. Like, yeah. Hey, your kid is mine. Um, They're just like, uh, no, she's not. No. In August of 1949, the Sodders decided once again to comb through the scene where the fire took place. Uh, and this time they brought a pathologist with them named Oscar B. Hunter. Uh, the excavation was thorough and they uncovered several small objects. There was uh, coins, a partly burned dictionary, and several shards of vertebrae. Uh, Hunter sent the bones to the Smithsonian Institution, which issued the following report. Quote, 
The human bones consist of four lumbar vertebrae belonging to one individual. Since the transverse recesses are fused, the age of this individual at death should have been 16 or 17 years. The top limit of age should be about 22, since the centra, which normally fuse at 23, are still unfused. On this basis, the bones show greater skeletal skeletal maturation (laughs) fucking hell that one would expect for a 14 year old boy um side note he says this because the oldest missing solder child was 14 so he's basically saying it's impossible for this to be uh any other kids a 14 year old child like he's he's saying it's not someone who lived in that house essentially okay um it uh it continues to say it is however prob uh possible although not probable for a boy of 14 and a half to show this uh maturation but not 14 so those six months are like vital apparently but he's basically saying like it's probably not one of the children okay um so the vertebrae showed no evidence that they had been exposed to the fire, according to the report. The report also notes that they found it strange that no other bones were found on the site after repeated searches and that all of the fragments had come from one body. He noticed that if one child died in the home and left bone fragments, then all five should have left bone fragments as well. Uh, the report concluded the with the finding that the fragment most likely came from the dirt that George had used to fill in the basement and uh, create his memorial for, for his children, which is a whole other can of worms I would like to get into. Oh. Why is there a 16-year-old vertebrae in your dirt? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> what the fuck's going on there? I gotta find out what happened in that case. Um, the Smithsonian report led to two hearings at the uh, at the Capitol in Charleston, um, after which Governor... Oki L. Patterson, Oki, what a name, and State Police Superintendent W.E. Burchett told the Sodders that their search was, quote, hopeless and declared the case officially closed. The Sodders refused to give up, and in a petty move that I absolutely love, they put up a huge billboard along Route 16 with their children's faces on it. Uh, The billboard has writing on it that summarizes the case and also alleges that law enforcement may be involved in the alleged kidnapping of the children. Um, I'll post a photo because it's really long what they wrote on it, and it's basically just what I'm telling you now. Um, (laughs) The Sodders passed out flyers with the same pictures and message as the billboard and offered a $5,000 reward which quickly grew into ten thousand dollars in night in like the 1950s like that's, that's a, lot. a lot of money at the time um after this a letter arrived from a woman in st louis who had somehow seen a flyer saying that the oldest girl martha was in a covenant there um another tip came from texas where a patron in a bar overheard an incriminating incriminating conversation about a long ago christmas eve fire in west virginia someone in florida claimed that the children were staying there with a distant relative of jenny's um and george would travel around the country to investigate each one of these leads he's very always dedicated. returning yeah always returning without any answers i i gotta say i love the parents determination here like they just refuse to lay down and die yeah and like i not many people would do that like that's a lot of time that's a lot of money like, yeah most people would not that they give up but it's just like they kind of just put their they hands hit a up, wall like, what else can i do yeah yeah exactly so i gotta respect that there um in 1968, more than 20 years after the fire, Jenny went to get the mail and found an envelope addressed only to her. It was postmarked in, Kedu- in Kentucky, but had no return address. Uh, inside was a photo of a man in his mid-20s. On the back, there was a cryptic handwritten note that read, quote, Louis Sauter, I love brother Frankie, lil boys, <laughs> A90132 or 35. So that's what the message said. 
It's very confusing. Um, yeah, I don't know what it means. But Louis Sauter is the name of one of the missing Sauter children. So she and George both saw the resemblance to their Louis, who was nine at the time of the fire. They had some obvious similarities, like the dark curly hair, general like Italian features. But they also shared some unique fil- filters. They also shared some unique features, including an upward tilt of the left eyebrow. Um, they also noted that his nose was like weirdly straight. And apparently that was like an outstanding feature. Okay. Um, So once again, they hired a private investigator and sent him to Kentucky. But unfortunately, the uh, private investigator took off and was never heard from again. Oh, so he just took his money. Asshole. Yep. Asshole. Um, The Sodders feared that if they published this letter or any information uh, found in the envelope, someone would harm their allegedly kidnapped son. So instead, they blew the photo up and also added it to the billboard. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Um, George was interviewed around the time the billboard was updated and said, quote, time is, run- time is running out for us, but we only want to know. If they did die in the fire, we want to be convinced. Otherwise, we want to know what happened to them. He died just one year after this interview. Yeah. Um, Jenny did not deal very well with this. She ended up building like a big fence around her property and started adding wings and rooms to her home so she could like keep farther and farther away from the outside world. Um, since the fire, she had worn only black as a symbol of her mourning and continued to do so until her own death in 1989. Um, the billboard was removed shortly after her passing, which I think is rude. Um, the remaining Sauter children and new Sauter grandchildren continued the investigation and came up with theories of their own, including one that the local mafia had tried to recruit him and he didn't, uh, he declined. Um, another one is that they tried to extort money from him and he refused, Uh, Another theory was that the children were all kidnapped by someone they knew because the door was unlocked and it seemed as though they just let them in. Um, The one popular theory I saw online uh, was that the Sauter children were taken from the home long before the fire even broke out. That's what I think. I think so, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone noted that the children had chores that they did every night, including rounding up some farm animals, and none of these chores were done that night. Uh, To be fair, it was Christmas Eve. They could have just said, fuck chores, get Santa, and went to bed. Yeah. But um, someone else in this forum I read also noted that, like, this was 1945. Kids were raised differently back then. It's like, you do your chores or you die. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's, to me, it's outstandingly odd that the chores were not done. Yeah. Yeah. so, yeah, I don't think we'll ever know what happened to the Sauter children, unfortunately. Both parents have now passed. Um, this article I read was written in 2012, and at the time, the youngest, Sylvia, was 69 years old. Um, so I don't think she's doing much searching. But I, I think there's some sort of weird cover-up thing going on. Um, my first thought was maybe it had to do with how much he hated this Mussolini guy. Yeah, but someone said that um, around the time of the fire, Mussolini had already lost power. So they thought it was odd that, like, someone was devoted enough to, like, attempt to kill his family. You never know. People are fucking crazy. People are fucking nuts. So there's there's a whole bunch of things that I think could have happened. I personally don't think these children were in the house when it burned down. I don't think so I don't know what the story was. I don't know what I think happened to them. But regardless, I don't think they were in the house. I think they were kidnapped prior. I don't know why. and I, th- mm-hmm. But I do believe it must have been something serious, like maybe mafia related, just because, or like some type of gang relate- relation to it, because it took eight hours for the fire department to get there and they're not mm-hmm. on call. Like, I don't think that's how that works. Even back then, it's real fishy. And then the whole like... Uh- 
people involved in the case being on like boards and committees and stuff that are basically like preventing this case from being investigated essentially it's like one Um, big cover-up involving multiple parties yeah so i don't know what the story is but i think i think it's a mysterious case i don't think they they were killed in that yeah i don't think so so merry christmas everyone (laughs) (laughs) it's a crazy fucking story it's one of my favorites and i hope like there is some like resolution like some answers for these kids because it breaks my heart that the parents didn't get it this is one of those cases where i'd love to again see ancestry dna play a role yeah um if if it's at all possible um most of the solder children probably like at least the older ones probably would have passed by now if the youngest is 69 in 2012 yeah so um i don't know if anyone remains maybe a grandchild perhaps remains somewhere but it'd be cool to see this one solved yeah maybe there's a grandchild so far, every time there. we said that they've been solved yeah. so. <laughs> maybe there's a grandchild out there that's dedicated to true crime and they're he or she's gonna well, get it yeah, apparently uh, a lot of them are. A lot of them are like uh, like internet detectives and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So the the story is kept alive within their family, yeah. at least. But it's, yeah, no one's really looking into it anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. You can only pull at so many strings, unfortunately. Exactly. So, But that's crazy. And with that. I'm glad you picked that strings one. with you, us. <laughs> you read my mind. You read my mind. Yes, I love that. I totally forgot that you were going to send me one, too. Yeah. So that, that worked out really well. That was it. Yeah. But if Yay. you wanted to come discuss this crazy freaking case with us, because I, we have so many conclusions for it, but we want yeah. answers. We want, we want answers. your theories. Yeah. Um, you can find us on Instagram at a spooky hour podcast. You can find us on Twitter at spooky hour. And you can email us at the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com. That's all we got for you guys. It's almost the end yeah. of the year. Maybe we'll have Keep- something new for you guys in 2021. I don't know dude uh that's our anniversary yeah our one year anniversary is uh next month if you believe it that's crazy um we i don't know what we're doing yet i'd like to do something but i need to make it through christmas before we decide yeah. that <laughs> um because i don't know i think that deserves a celebration yeah it's a pretty big deal you guys have been hanging out with us for almost a year now it's fucking crazy you guys and we appreciate you we do we do yeah i don't know what we would do without you i don't know we so go nuts that, yeah <laughs> Well, we're kind of already nuts, but you're helping. <laughs> Go nuts. Yeah, we, we already done been there. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, have a great week, everybody, yeah. and stay festively spooky. Stay festively spooky. Bye. Bye.